0: Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. When dealing with great literary works, the opening line is always the most powerful and matters a great deal. Now the author wants to put in that opening line, everything that he wants to convey in the course of the entire work, no matter what it is, whether it's a poem or a speech, a playwright. I'll give you some examples. Once upon a midnight dreary, I pondered weak and weary. Well, it's the opening line of the poem, The Raven, by Edgar Allan Poe. Or, four score and seven years ago, our founding fathers established this union. Well, that's the opening line for the Gettysburg Address. By Abraham Lincoln. So, in these opening lines, the author intentionally wants to grab our attention and tell us there is something powerful that needs to be conveyed, whether it's in a poem or a speech or in a letter. Now, we see that firsthand in the Gospel for this weekend. Today, we read from the very beginning of the Gospel of Mark. Now, first of all, let's learn a little bit about the author himself, Mark. Now, his real name is John Mark. John is his Jewish name. Mark is his Roman name, his Roman citizen name. His mom was Jewish, and his dad was a Roman citizen. Now, Mark was never an eyewitness to Jesus Christ. He never eyewitnessed Jesus, his miracles. He never heard Jesus' preaching or teaching. In fact, he never even met Jesus Christ. So it begs the question, how could a man... Write the gospel of Jesus Christ and share with us all the intimate details of Jesus' miracles, his passion, death, and resurrection, without even meeting the man or knowing him? Well, the answer to that is Peter. Peter was the source of all of Mark's information. In fact, Peter was a very close friend to Mark. In fact, Peter was the one who brought Mark into the faith. He initially baptized Mark. In fact, Peter and Mark were very, very close friends. In fact, if you turn to 1 Peter 5.13, Peter describes their friendship. He says, My son Mark. So, they were very close. Now, when Peter traveled on evangelization trips, Mark was always there. He never left Peter's side. Now, this was important when you stop and think. Peter, we all know, was illiterate. He couldn't read or write. And therefore, he needed somebody to write down everything that he knew about Jesus Christ in order to pass it on for future generations. Well, Mark was that person. Mark was, in we would refer to as, Peter's secretary. Peter would tell Mark everything that he knew about Jesus. His life, his preaching, teaching, his passion, death, and resurrection. Mark then wrote all of it down. And when Peter was executed in Rome, it was then that Mark began to write his gospel. Now, notice how it begins. It says, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now, that first line, like all great literary works, sets the tone. It grabs our attention. Now, first, that word, the beginning. The Greek word that is used here is archae. And remember, the Bible was originally written in Greek. Now, where else do we see that word archae? Well, it's the story of creation in Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's where you see that RK. And so, if you were a first century Jew, you knew that the greatest story in all of the Bible was the story of creation. It showed God's power. Well, Mark knows that because he is a good Jew. And so, he begins his gospel this way, very intentional, He's telling us his gospel is about Jesus' passion, death, and resurrection, his life, and that this story about Jesus is as equally as powerful as the story of creation. In fact, Jesus Christ, through his life, death, and resurrection, establishes a new order. Now go back to that story of creation. God, yes, he creates, but he creates a new order in this entire universe, one in which all of creation is connected to its creator. Well, now Mark is telling us that through Jesus Christ, he has created a new order, such that sin and death no longer reigns over us. Instead, Jesus Christ, his teaching, as well as his eternal life and salvation, now reign. Next, the word gospel. In Greek, it's evangelion comes from two words, eva, which means good, and gaglion, which means news or message. Now, when we hear that word gospel in the 21st century, immediately we equate it with Jesus. We say to ourselves, okay, I'm going to get ready to hear a story about Jesus. Well, that's true, but that's not necessarily true in the first century. In the first century, when you heard the gospel or the evangelion. It was always associated with a Roman military victory. So when the Roman army won a great victory, the generals would send messengers ahead of them to proclaim this gospel to Caesar, the good news. See, Mark knows that. And so he's borrowing that message as well as that image. And he's applying it now to his gospel. And so is Mark telling us about a victory? Yes, It's the victory over the powers of this world, especially sin and death. It's a very powerful victory through Christ. More to it, the Evangelion, the good news or the gospel, was always associated with the emperor in the first century. In fact, it was a formal proclamation to Caesar or the emperor of Rome. In fact, Julius Caesar was the first emperor to call himself a god. Later on, Caesar Augustus continued to refer to himself as a deity. Now, notice also how Mark is using this word gospel. He's saying to the world that, yeah, this word gospel, which used to be associated with the military victories as well as Caesar, it's not about that anymore. It's about Jesus Christ, his life, teaching, passion, death, and resurrection. When you stop and think, this is very provocative for the first century. You know, it reminds me of when Paul proclaimed, Jesus Jesus is king. Well, back then, your king was Caesar, whether you liked it or not. Well, Paul and now Mark, you know, they're establishing a great challenge to the status quo. Essentially, Mark is telling the whole world, there is a great power in this world, and it's greater than Caesar. Now, again, if you're living in the first century, you hear this for the first time, you're shocked. The fact that there is someone greater and more powerful than Caesar the emperor, that's incredulous. Now, for me, that would piqued my curiosity. I would want to know more about this person. How did he get this power? And what is he saying? What is he teaching? Now, notice also, it says, Jesus, the Son of God. Now that again was the emperor's title. Mark is telling us from the very beginning of his gospel, he's gonna tell us the real truth about the Son of God. Jesus is not some worldly power. No, he is the divine power of God. Now, this opening line of the gospel, it's very powerful, it's very provocative, it's also very dangerous. It threatens the world order, especially for the Romans. And now you can see why our church was persecuted for the first 300 years. The Romans didn't take this message lightly. No, not at all. In fact, they were very threatened by it. The Romans knew how this message could deeply affect their power and their order in this world. What was their first instinct? Eradicate it. Get it out of there. Persecute it. And so they hunted down the apostles and killed them. They also hunted down and assassinated many of the popes in the first three centuries. The Romans knew if there existed a king that was greater and more powerful than the emperor, then the entire empire was threatened. The Roman order of this world was now potentially ceased to exist. Now, with that in mind, go to the first reading from the prophet Isaiah. God says, Go up the mountain and proclaim here is your God who comes with power. Well, God right now is bringing the Israelites out of exile from living in slavery in Babylon, which is current day Iraq, and returning home. Well, Mark's gospel pretty much has the same message. We have been held captive by our sin, and now we are being brought home by Jesus, who is our Lord and King. Just as the Israelites were liberated from slavery in Babylon, now Jesus liberates us from sin and death and brings us back where we belong, in right relationship with God, before the fall of grace. Now, what does this mean for us? Well, remember last week we talked about O come, O come, Emmanuel, and what that song really means in the penitential aspect of Advent. Well, sin does what? It makes us wander. we're not supposed to be. Well, Mark tells us at the very beginning of his gospel, the gospel story is a story about our return home to a right relationship with God, now and always through Jesus Christ. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.